Episode 10. Pew, pew, pew. One <laughs> decade. One calendar decade. That audio. <laughs> that was pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> that was good. Thank He's you. A sound, soundboard. Soundboard guy. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Got nice. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> it's a party. Uh, KJ, do you feel like it feels like it's more episodes because you have to do or you've done so much more with the actual episode doing editing and thing and things? Uh, do you think that makes it feel a little bit longer? I, I do we... feel like I'm repeating myself a lot because I don't remember. <laughs> did I say this? Did I edit someone saying this? Did I talk to you specifically about this, or was it another person? <laughs> Uh, and then the, same the fact that ten I times. well, it's not the ten times, but the fact that I edit the audio and the video for the food portion separately as well, so it's slightly different cuts if you listen to it versus watch it. Um, yeah, I I do sometimes feel like I'm going insane just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the most ridiculous sound. We need to get some of that in these in these uh, subsequent shows. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome to The John Chi Show. I am one-third of your hosts, KJ. I'm Patrick. (laughs) I'm going to wait. KJ to edit out that long pause. And You're the worst. <laughs> and add another long pause in. I'm Nathan. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was Kidding. awful. I'm going to leave okay. that in now. No, yeah, no let's I will leave that one. No, we should actually figure out, should we figure out an order so that we always do it? Uh, I mean... No, I like no. the randomness. You like the randomness? Yeah. No. I'm going to get better uh, at looking at both of your faces. Yeah, I know. Patrick, what does John Chi mean? John Chi means a smattering of different things. It means a feast. It means to celebrate. It means to come together in a big group and to eat a lot of food together and to enjoy yourselves. And that's kind of what we try to do here on the show. Uh, We get together and we celebrate who we are and what we're trying to do while also enjoying some nice food and beverage. John Chi it up. (laughs) John Chi it up. John Chi hey yo. Hey. that's a new hashtag, John Chi Heo. <laughs> well, actually, so I don't know if you know this because I don't know where your Korean study is at, but um, hada is the infinitive of like to do, and basically uh, any noun that you can know about in Korean, if you add hada to the end and conjugate it, it means like to do that thing. So, John Chi, noun, party. John Chi hada is to party. So, John Chi Heo is party. Okay. Like the I like it. party. Oh. I like but yeah, it. you could also put H E Y Y O. Chanchi, hey yo! <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. I like oh, the yeah. dual meaning. It's just a yeah. just a brief a brief uh, description of how Korean works. Nice. Actually, one of my um, international friends. Yeah, <laughs> one of my international hey, friends from China asked me, or I don't know if you. He asked me this, or he was just telling me a joke. But the joke was basically like him and his Chinese friends were like, "Yeah, anytime we want to sound like Koreans, we just add hamnida." To the end of our sentence. So like, oh, hello, Hamnida. How are you doing, Hamnida? <laughs> uh, because to their ears, they were like, every sentence ends with Hamnida. But it's because of that Hada, that's like the, the formal conjugation mm-hmm. um, of Hada is Hamnida. So 
it actually is fairly accurate to how Korean works. It's just really funny. They're like, hello, Hamnida. So I'd be like, <laughs> every time I saw him, I'd be like, how are you doing, Hamnida? Like, oh, I'm good, Hamnida. I feel like that's with like Japanese when, when a lot of sentences to me sound like they end in deska. Yeah, well, and Korean and Japanese are both like the verbs come at the end. Uh, so you literally just have to wait until someone says a verb to be like, I think I know what you're going to say. And then, and then it's the verb. It's so confusing to listen and translate in your brain. Cause you're like, what are you about to say? Cause you're just like restructuring like, the sentence as it's coming out in real time. Yeah. It's like pronoun subject. And then they also have this weird thing where there's like a subject and a topic. And I don't really know what the difference is, but there are <laughs> uh, word endings. So it's like you add this to say like this word, this noun was the subject, but it's different than like direct objects and indirect objects because they also have those in Korean. It's so, so confusing. And I think that's what makes learning the language uh, like really confusing. Cause I'm like, I need someone to explain this grammar to me because the, the way that the blocks work is so backwards from my English speaking brain. So. Yeah, I feel like it when I look at it and think about trying to learn it, it just looks so uninviting. I guess <laughs> the like looking at it itself is it's nice. It's like I want to learn how to do that, but then just hearing you talk about these different things, I'm like, okay, I'm already thirty. I'm gonna be ninety before I even figure out how to have one word down. <laughs> Hada. Yeah, just yeah, add Hada. Hamnida. Yeah. I've just All been right. worried about the pronunciation, not even the structure of sentences or things like that, but the little, uh, little, little minor, minute, you know, differences in a word or mm-hmm. in a saying. I've always had that problem with other languages when I've said a word that I'm just pronouncing a word slightly different and it's completely different meaning. Well, especially in this language too, there's such a distinction between formal and informal, mm-hmm. and it's like you don't want to be disrespectful, and that's one of the reasons I try to hold or I hold back from even wanting to try a word. Nathan at least has the courage to try the word out, and uh, I'm just like, uh, I'll let him say it first, and then I won't say it anyways. I think the nice thing though is we are all at an age where we can get away with um, one type of verb ending and feel pretty confident that like generally who we're talking to won't be super offended. And really you, if you, especially if you're talking to someone younger, they might be like, why are you being so formal with me? (laughs) Like they would actually be like, you should talk down to me more. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Um, so yeah, so we're 10 episodes deep and we have talked about a range of things. We have had some guests on the show who, um, especially like for instance, Dan, I don't, in my mind, I was like, we're never going to get him on the show. And he was gracious enough to come on and, um, and Minju from fluent Korean, just like, I don't know. Did you have any sense of nervousness about our guests or about how the show would take place in general, just cause we haven't met each other. And then, you know, where we are now, I, I think, I think we touched on it at one point where maybe we were uh, not recording at the time, but, uh, I know you men- mentioned saying something about being nervous before each show sometimes because all these people are so much more knowledgeable or in the subjects that we're talking about or just in the Korean um, journeys that they've taken themselves. Uh, that's what makes me nervous is, is the same thing. It's like saying something stupid or saying something that's like completely inaccurate. And so when I when we listen to all these people, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, they, they are so, um, you know, not just well spoken, but they're knowledgeable and and everything. That's what intimidates me, and that's and I've been very honored to have listened and learned from every every one of our guests. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. You know, we have people on. Well, like even for us, having never met before, but now we're interviewing total strangers and asking them maybe not so much intimate details of their lives, but for 
topics that could be considered intimate to oneself and for them to be able to share that and to feel like not that I'm walking on eggshells in, in these interviews, but to feel like, you know, like exactly what Nathan said, not wanting to say the wrong thing or stick your foot in your mouth, uh, say something that you might regret, you know, it's... it's That's what editing is for. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's just really, it's, it's really interesting, and I think when we have guests on, like for me specifically, when it's someone that I know or, and, you know, I get a chance to maybe either interject or, or to lead, it's... It's a little bit more natural. I feel like it, and, and you know, it's 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 easier for me. But especially in those moments, like with Dan, especially, you know, this is somebody who people know and and is very recognizable. And for him to come on uh, before we even hit double digit episodes and to share his story with us, um, I think it really speaks to what we thought about doing when we first met up, and then to have actually achieved that in so many words and, and episodes, I think is really cool. So. Um, definitely still nervous, but I like where we're going and I, li- I like what we've been doing so far. Um, so Nathan, do you think, uh, I know that you've been on your journey for a little bit longer than, than either of us have. Um, but how has doing this show for the past 10 episodes and kind of ideating around it and, and all of that, um, affected how you relate to being Korean? Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes me feel more, I wouldn't say authentic, but it makes me feel more, um, like that I'm actually taking the time to learn about what I've kind of been going through already by myself. And, um, I think that's something that everyone does on their own pace and at their own level and you don't have to do it and you, you don't have to search for your biological family, but at the same time, you don't have to learn anything about your culture if you don't want to. I mean, we're all still American, and that's a culture in itself. We could just say, I'm well, going to learn about... Well, Minju. Minju's not American. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you could learn about whatever culture you are, whatever you know nationality you are, and that, that would be you know great. So, I mean, or you could be like Minju and speak five languages. So, <laughs> you know, and, and that's uh, to each their own. So I really have enjoyed... Uh, diving into more of everyone's story because it does make me feel um, that uh, what I did was validated a little bit because other other people might want to do it or other people have done it. And so I don't feel alone that I was the only one doing it. And uh, it's, you know, it's good to share my story and I'm happy it was a happy story and uh, and hope it uh, helps other people. I mean, even when I did that article many years ago, and, um, you know, just the interview that uh, the writer put in the magazine and just doing that, I, I felt, was was a good start. And I was hoping that it would help other people. Yeah. Um, Patrick, what is maybe one thing from our conversations that we've had uh, that's really stuck out and, and that your brain has held on to since having that conversation with whoever guessed? You know, I think... Sujin Pate's just entire story of going back and all how vividly she could recall those memories of meeting those neighbors from her village that she was born in and walking these paths and crossing the not so scary and large river uh, that, <laughs> that, you know, seemed like it was at five. I think that's something that's really stuck with me because that was our, like our first guest. And mm-hmm. um, I think not knowing what, what to expect going into that really, really did, it it, it left a big impression on me. And not that I am expecting something like that from every guest, but, you know, it's like it makes these interviews very, very um, fun to be engaged in because 
you know, you're waiting for something like that, or, you know, you know, in the course of our conversation, something like that is going to come up. Um, whether it be about, you know, your birth family or whatever the case may be in your life. Um, but there is one other thing that did stick out to me and, um, it might be recency bias, but what Liat said about compassion and love, um, I think that's just been, that's just been something that's been playing over in my mind a lot. Um, and, you know, I hope that a lot of people get to listen to her episode because I think the way that she articulates that message is, is really powerful and it has a lot of staying power too. Um, and, and I think the more people are able to hear that, the better off that we will be. So, um, I think those two things for sure. You know, I found, um, I, I feel like my brain is changing. So in 2015 and then again in, in 2020, uh, I feel like I was hyper aware of being Asian um, and maybe even Korean American, right? That uh, with some of our guests, we've had this distinction of like, do you feel Asian American? Do you feel Korean American? And, you know, uh, different guests have had different answers. Um, and so I feel like I've I've gotten better at thinking about myself as a minority living in America and, and all that that entails. And I've um, come to understand kind of the burden and the mental taxing that that can create in your brain. Um, but now doing this podcast, I feel like I've begun to more fully understand and accept and navigate the waters of my third culture being adopted. Uh, so I was, um, I was chatting with, with Minju on Instagram because I was excited for her next uh, episode of Fluent Fools to drop. And I was like, hey, when is that coming out? Because I want to know more. <laughs> uh, but we got to talking, and in the midst of that conversation, I realized, oh, you know what? My Korean name might not actually be given to me by my parents. And I just kind of had this uh, wild sense of like, oh my gosh, what if this whole online persona and kind of other uh, part of my identity that I have carried around for my whole life is based in not the truth that I thought that it was, you know? And so I had like this weird identity crisis and then kind of a, a reclamation of being like, well, even if that wasn't the case, I'm still going to own that. And Kung Junte is still like really, really important to me. Um, like basically since I've had an online presence, I have used some form of my Korean name going from right. my, my AOL <laughs> screen name as Kang the Fang up to like most of my emails and like gamer tags being some form of Junte. So yeah, so, so that's just been interesting. And I found myself thinking about being adopted and, and hearing all of these adoptee stories and, and following the hashtags on Instagram and, and being parts of these groups makes me realize, well, it's not, maybe you can't take everything for granted, uh, but it's become a space of like really powerfully and viscerally claiming parts of my identity as my own, regardless of, uh, you know, who said what about me or who decided what about me, you know? Um, so it's been, been an interesting journey of, of exploration for me too. Um, and our next guest is no different. Um, and I'm actually really excited about this because this was our first guest with a family member. Um, it is Rebecca Armstrong, as I'm sure you can tell from the title. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so we got to sit down with Patrick's sister and talk to her about being uh, adopted and Asian American or Korean American and just uh, hear the things that make her who she is, uh, catch up with her and, and see um, where her life is at now. So here is that interview right now. Roll clip. Do the thing. <laughs> oh. 
Okay, yes, we are here with Rebecca Armstrong, who is Patrick's sister via adoption. Uh, and we're very excited because this is the first time that we've had a family member on for the interview portion. Um, so welcome, Rebecca, to the show. Well, thanks for having me. So let's start this with the question that we ask all of our adoptee friends. Uh, what dirt do you have on Patrick? Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Yikes. Came in hot. Terrifying. Hot. H-O-T. Like, what's happening? I was like looking at my notes and he just comes in, what dirt do you have on Patrick? Yikes. Well, yeah. I thought it was funny because you said, you know, what, what we ask all our guests. <laughs> no, it was great. It, just, it was a good setup. It was super not, uh, yeah. It, it was, I had to go. Okay. Um, Continue. Okay. What? <laughs> What is your adoption story in as brief or as detail as much detail as you want to tell? So I have a pretty like normal, I guess, adoption story. Uh, I was given up at birth by my birth mom was a student that's written in my file, which I think is interesting. And I was adopted like three months later by my parents through Bethany Christian Services, who had already adopted Patrick through the same agency. And it was like Holt in Korea. But that's basically what I know about that. <laughs> So what was growing up with Patrick like? And also just generally like growing up in America for you. What was that like? I have a really cute story from when I was like the day I was adopted. Um, so I came to America via Detroit and my family went up to like pick me up. It was a plane full of other uh, Korean adoptees as well. Probably not full, but there were other <laughs> Korean adoptees on the plane. And when... Uh, I was given to my family. I refused to let anyone hold me except for Patrick for like mm. hours. If anyone wow. else tried, I like cried really, really loudly. Uh -huh. So he like held me the whole way from Detroit to where we <laughs> lived in Rensselaer because I refused to let anyone else hold me. And he didn't drop you? That's a lot of responsibility <laughs> for a two-year-old, yeah. I feel like. Right. <laughs> Just toddler Patrick taking care of an actual baby. I hope they got photos of that. Uh, so Patrick, you were two when Rebecca was adopted? No, he didn't even hear the quote. So Patrick was two when you were adopted? No, one and a half, I think. It would have been 1992 in October. Oh, yeah. I guess it was. Oh, yeah, two and a half. Almost. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's two how and seven works. months. I got it. I got yeah. there. Yeah. I got there. But like when we were like little, like little children, we were really close. I remember when I was like toddler preschool age i wanted to be able to do everything that patrick could do like i wanted to go to school i wanted to be able to run around whenever i wanted to instead of taking naps and like all of this so i just kind of <laughs> copied him a lot and i actually like made my mom enroll me in like pre preschool when i was like two <laughs> because i wanted to go to school like patrick <laughs> i wish i would have kept that same want to attitude about it that, that you you held you held on to that though so yeah, I was just I was just a nerd at like age two. I was like, I want to go to school and I want to learn how to read. And then when we like grew up, we had a lot of the same life experiences, obviously, but we kind of like grew apart. And then we didn't really talk when we were teenagers, like at all. And I remember like the first time, like as adults, that we like hung out was in 2016 when both of us were just like in California at the same time, and we're like, hey, we should like hang out you're in LA I'm in San Francisco or back not San Francisco San Diego he was yeah. in San Diego. I was like that's I not, not close to San Diego. each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
But we were like, oh, we're both here. And I was considering moving to LA and he was living in San Diego. And I was like, oh, we should hang out. So he drove up to visit me and we hung out for a day. And then I went down and visited him for like a day and a half. And that was cool. But like, I was very cognizant of the fact that I was like, this is like the first time we've (laughs) hung out as adults um, that whole time. And I was like, I don't know. What if I'm like not the person he thinks I am? (laughs) What if we have nothing in common? (laughs) It was like that, though. I mean, I think I said it before. It's really because even though we were only two years apart in age, we were four years apart in school because mm-hmm. of the age rule or whatever, however they do that for public yeah. schools, the cutoff. So that I felt like that really kind of divided us a little bit more than it potentially could have. Yeah, because you were... Uh... You were a senior in high school when I was like a freshman in high school. Yeah. So like that was the only time we were like really in the same school. Yeah. Well, and it takes a, spe- a special kind of senior slash freshman to like hang out with the like the outer edges of high school like that. So I can get that you're like, yeah, I don't really want to hang out with you right now. <laughs> when you were younger, you said you were like super attached to Patrick, wanted to do everything that he did, which I think partially is probably just like younger sibling syndrome. Yeah. Um, so when you separated, this is a weird way to ask this question, <laughs> but like as you stopped hanging out, as you started growing apart uh, and obviously like being a teenager is like finding, <laughs> it's such a weird time because I feel like if I had to sum up teenage years, it's like figuring out that you're your own person and then desperately wanting to find people who are exactly like you to be like, I'm my own person with this other group of people and we're all the <laughs> same, but also very different. Uh, which I think is a, it's, it's a weird time for adoptees to to go through because you're like, I desperately want to be with people who are like me. But then when you're adopted and especially transracially adopted, you're like, ah, no one is like me. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, did you think about or have you thought about now um, in this instance, you, that separation from Patrick as like, like, did that, was that ever a thought that occurred to your mind? Like, was it a conscious thing or is it just kind of a natural, like drifting apart as you grew up? I feel like it was more of a natural drifting apart because our interests kind of diverged um, when we were in like upper elementary school, I guess. Um, He was a skater boy and you said, see you later, boy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually did ballet too. So um, you did do that. Boom. It sucked. I hate ballet. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so our interests diverged. I went the more like quiet, nerdy kid. He went the more like class clown, play sports kind of thing. I did get voted (laughs) class clown as a senior, so yeah, that tracks. That tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Again, like we, I was in like we were always in kind of different schools after the point where we started drifting apart. So it's not like we saw each other a ton aside from living together, but also Patrick was always doing things. So he was always at like sports and had like other things. He was at his friend's house and I was like at home reading books quietly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So what are your top five books? Just because that's a terrible for those of you who are ask anyone okay. who reads books, <laughs> look at all those books back there. No, that's I know. what I was going to say. How am I supposed like, to choose? Yeah, yeah. So just top five. I'm going to say right now. Top five books right now. Okay, so the Broken Earth series by N.K. Jemisin is really high up there. It's a fantasy series. Highly recommend. Um, so that's three. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I like I'll allow it. it as one. I was like, series is one. Like, that's a true okay. reader. You're like, this is my top series. And then. <laughs> this is going to sound like egocentric, but 
Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, if that's how you pronounce her name. I've only seen it. I've never heard it pronounced. Mexican Gothic. That came out this year and I loved it. I'm going to I'm going to say that's five. <laughs> okay. I like it. She's using yeah. the series as three. That's smart. Yeah. OK. Each individual one of those books won Hugo Awards and they're all amazing. So oh, damn. I feel like they can stand on their own. So, yeah, they probably deserve to stand on their own. OK, cool. Yeah. I'm really excited. I, uh, I mean, I, I know one of our previous guests, Brandon, is a little nerdy just based on the time that we hung out together. But like, I never feel like I get the opportunity to really truly and deeply nerd out because Patrick is my co-host. So I feel like I kind of have to like bro up a little bit. (laughs) I don't have any books on this bookshelf. They're all comic books. Let's get nerdy. So, but it's, it's different. It's different. So, uh, and I I I have no idea what you're (laughs) doing. Yeah. I don't, I don't read, I don't read words in books. (laughs) Perfect. In your guest form, uh, you said that you kind of leaned away from other Asians or other uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color um, because you felt fake or "quote unquote" whitewashed. So, what? Uh, how did you reckon with that? Was it just like a complete and total like, nope, just whatever? I'm just going to dig into my books and people who like these books. Um, and where have you come to with that now? I guess. So most of that, because I grew up in a very, very not uh, diverse town. It was very white. Um, there was Patrick was the another Asian in my town. There was the family who ran the Chinese restaurant in our town, who I did know because their daughter went to dance classes at the school that I taught at. And there was one other Asian girl around my age in town and people constantly got us confused and we look nothing alike. (laughs) So I kind of like, Like she's six, four and I'm four, eight. She was, I don't know. Very much shorter than me. She parted her hair, like very extremely on one side and had that like emo swoop. Oh yeah. Cause it was about that time, you know? Yeah. And she was like, really fit because she was in sports and all this sort of stuff. And I was like super chubby in high school. So like we looked (laughs) nothing alike. And, um, but people always got us confused and I like resented her for that, even though it was not her fault. It was everyone else's fault. Um, and then the same thing happened to me in college with this girl who I became friends with named Corinne. Both of us had like the same length hair and had glasses and were Asian, but we again looked nothing alike and people (laughs) got us confused. And that's just, a certain type of annoying when like people just can't tell you apart or refuse to tell you apart and you just kind of want to not associate with people who might be confused for you or you might be confused for because it's just kind of really annoying. But I had a Korean roommate my first year of college, my first semester of college, like actually from Korea, like legit Korean person. <laughs> and um, They were deeply Korean. <laughs> I... <laughs> I felt super strange around her because I was like, yeah, I'm Korean too. And she's like, "Uh." (laughs) are you though? (laughs) That was perfectly timed, like head tilt. I wish that was recorded right there. That was, that was great. (laughs) Sorry. But, um, and then like, we kind of got to know each other very little, um, but I'm super socially awkward and I have hard a hard time making friends. So we kind of just lived in the same space for that whole semester. And I low-key hated her. Um, <laughs> not for any, like, reason, really. Um, she did keep kimchi in our dorm room fridge, which, like, was between our beds. And that was an unpleasant experience. 
as we've learned, kimchi seeps out and affects everything in the fridge. So we have learned yeah. that exactly. Well, the smell does. The kimchi doesn't seep out. Yeah, <laughs> unless it's poorly. That's packaged, a good clarification. Yeah, and we also lived in like a dorm without air conditioning because I registered for college late and like all of this stuff. And it was just by the end of the semester, I was like, I hate this person. Um, not really. It was just like my first time living with a roommate. So I went to the housing <laughs> office. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I want to see if I can get a solo room next semester. I just cannot handle this right now. I'm going to kill someone. And <laughs> the guy, he was like, oh, what room number do you live in? So I gave him my room number. And he was like, oh, are you Jay Young? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. I hate that person. Um, I don't actually hate her. She was fine. She was just my first roommate. But as an angsty teenager, you're like, Gah. Exactly. Like, I was like, I thought I moved away from all of this. And I was really mad. And I know he could tell. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm Rebecca. <laughs> um, and then he gave me a discount off of my dorm <laughs> for the next semester. So I think he knew what he did. And like, even now, I don't really have that many non-white friends. And I live in a really white area again. I live in Salt Lake, Utah. So it's not like I have like many opportunities, I guess, especially again, being someone who doesn't easily make friends. So most of my friends I have now are people I've worked with or people that my husband was friends with before I moved here. And all of them are white people. But I have been trying to diversify my circle, I guess. Because especially this year, I've noticed that not having friends I can relate to on a kind of like being a minority level, I've definitely felt that, that I don't have friends I can talk to or relate to about this. And I feel like Patrick and I have been talking a lot more, which has been helpful. But I also like don't want to just constantly text him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys talk in college? Not not really. Yeah, not really. It really was like that time, that trip to California, honestly. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. Uh, so what took you to Salt Lake? This is like a really cheesy story. I volunteered to work Sundance, the film festival here, okay. um, in 2016 because like 2016 was about the year that like the first half of it was I was trying to find myself. I was doing that thing. I graduated early 2015 and then I did a contract job at Disney World until um, the end of that year. And then after that was over, I was like, I'm going to go do all these things. So I went to Las Vegas for CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and reported on that. And then I came to Sundance because I had always wanted to go to Sundance. And I was here like... I was in Salt Lake for a week before Sundance started, and I was kind of doing that thing where I was on Tinder trying to find people to take me to dinner because I was hungry. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I matched with Seth, who is now my husband, and we went out. We didn't get dinner. We got coffee, actually. And you're like, but I'm hungry, though, Seth. <laughs> Can I get a muffin at least? <laughs> Just like a scone? We, he, I remember judging him super hard because we went to a coffee shop and I was at that point like a huge coffee snob because college. We went to a really nice local place that like roasts their own beans and stuff like that. So he got that part right. But then he ordered some like mostly milk caramel something. Um, and I kind of looked at him like, what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, it obviously worked. We 
like went on more dates while I was here. And then I went to China for a month because one of my best friends was working there as an English teacher. And we stayed in contact through that. I came back. I did a cross-country road trip with all my stuff to go to L.A. because I thought I was moving to L.A. And then I got there and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I'm, I was working 100% remotely doing like editing and proofreading for a medical company. And I'm like, I can do this anywhere. Like, where am I going to live? I don't want to move back to where my parents live. Um, I could move to Chicago, but like, because that's where all, a lot of my friends are. But that's expensive. Eh. And then this guy I've been talking to this whole time was like, hey, why don't you just like wait here until you figure stuff out, I guess. So I kind of just like stayed. He was renting a room in a house and I just kind of stayed in this room with him. <laughs> for like two weeks while I was trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> and then I eventually rented a tiny house in downtown Salt Lake oh. um, for a few months. And then I just really liked it here. And I really liked him. So I bought a house here and then we got married. <laughs> so that's it kind of just all fell into place. And then I found <laughs> a, like two really good jobs that are and entirely in my niche here so that was nice too and what do you do now i am a tech reviewer broadly right now i'm writing internet service and home networking product reviews i no sorry the pause was <laughs> yeah no i understood what she said okay we're good <laughs> i'm there now she does professional <laughs> reviews of of merchandise on Amazon. Not on Amazon. <laughs> uh, now she writes for TechCrunch, bro, and CNET. Yeah, I actually used to read all those on CNET. I assume, assume that's kind of similar as the the stuff that you do yeah. at CES and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I um the websites I write for are not as definitely not as well known as CNET, but I have thought about applying there, but they require everyone to work out of New York, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Do you get to keep any of the free stuff you review? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Patrick's nice. gotten a lot of it also. Oh. I've given some him some of it. stuff. I wouldn't say a lot of it. I would say some I like three things, maybe. That's not very many things. That's fair. <laughs> I don't even categorize but are they, a lot. Are they big things? Are you just like kicking it with like a, a super great mesh network at your house or something? Like no. That? I had or... some good headphones. Yeah. <laughs> I've also gotten though. like several pairs of nice headphones. What it's about a podcast lot of headphones. mics? podcast microphones uh, no if you need any uh, beta testers I... for that we we can uh, help you out too and any podcast equipment really honestly so. <laughs> just anything Sorry. just anything and everything for the show yeah because for patrick of course mostly it's routers right now I, I meant sorry yeah i meant send it to patrick but make sure you send three three or four yes. of them to patrick yeah just in triplicate please from now on yeah. Great. <laughs> so being in Salt Lake, have uh, how is the diversity out there now that you've been there for a while? Not great. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been there once, but I don't. I never actually paid attention to that part of it. Uh, how is it from your perspective? What, how do you uh, see it out there? Do you? I mean, other than specifically, too, do you have other friends or other organizations that you're involved in that have uh, any representation? Huh. I. Okay, so, so the Salt Lake County area, like Salt Lake Metro, is a lot more diverse and liberal than the rest of the state of Utah. So there are other non-white people in the area. I don't really experience them that often. For example, I work on a team of like 
about 30 people at work. And we're like a fairly young, diverse organization, but I'm the only person of color on the whole team, on my whole team. And sometimes that's interesting. Uh, But I, most of my friends here are still white. A lot of people in the area are um, either LDS or grew up LDS. So it's kind of like a little bit monoculture-y here, which has been kind of difficult for me because there was a lot of culture shock, even though it's still in the U.S. when I moved here. All of the laws around alcohol are strange still. There are a fairly high density of Japanese people specifically, or Japanese American people here specifically, for a very dark reason. That's because there was an internment camp, like a World War II internment camp around here. So there are organizations for like specifically like Japanese culture and then wider like Asian American Pacific Islander culture, but I'm not, I haven't been like part of any of them. I'm kind of not a get involved type of person usually. <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I mean, in, even in Colorado, I didn't have any other Asian friends. Uh, also, all my friends back there are, are also Caucasian. It wasn't really until California that it kind of was thrown into my lap as, as, oh, this is what I've been missing, or this is yeah. just something different as far as, as the uh, the environment. So yeah, I was just, I'm just curious because I haven't lived anywhere except for California now for the last, you know, 19 years too. So I didn't know how, how different areas were expanding, especially major metropolises like Salt Lake and, and stuff like that. One of my dreams is to move to like a very diverse city. I just want to live somewhere where there are more than just Caucasian people. Nothing against Caucasian people. (laughs) They're fine. They uh, are the reason that the four of us are here in the States. So thanks for that. uh, (laughs) So I I really feel what you say um, when you're like, I am socially awkward and I want to meet more, like have a more diverse friend group, but the area that I'm living in is predominantly white. uh, And how do I go about meeting not white people and not feeling like, a straight up stalker or some type of creep or, you know, like, so that's a, that's a struggle that I have had. Um, so one of the, the fallbacks that I have found and taken great comfort in is I will, uh, watch or take in really diverse media. Um, and I think a side effect of that is anytime I see a show that is predominantly white people, I'll just be like, can we watch anything else that is not <laughs> predominantly white people so um, i didn't know like is that a similar journey to you or have you cracked the code for like meeting diverse people like figured out where the underground uh, not white people hang out and you're like yeah can i break into this this club or this uh speak well, actually no you said alcohol laws are different so it wouldn't be a speakeasy but you know found the place <laughs> where they congregate and like be like can i or hang out with you speakeasy. can we be friends <laughs> yeah um i do consume a lot of not Euro or American centric, uh, media. So, um, one of the things that kind of like helped me grow into my general Asian-ness, let's say, because (laughs) when I was growing up, I accepted that I was Asian more so than I accepted that I was Korean specifically. Um, especially when I was younger and being a nerd that kind of led me into that whole like Japanese, like kind of weeby kind of otaku area. Yeah, so I read a lot of manga and I like watched a lot of anime growing not growing up, but like in like upper high school and in college and like now. And a lot of the books I read, I've made a point this year specifically and last year 
to not read anything that was written by a Caucasian male author. I love that. Because especially I was a literature major in college. Like I read so much of that already. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, so every fantasy book, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. There's great fantasy, but I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Again, N.K. Jemisin, she's a black woman. She is amazing. She writes sci-fi and fantasy. Highly recommend. She's so good. (laughs) I'm just like, I just came off the high of reading that trilogy and I just love it so much. But yeah, I've been more um, purposeful and deliberate in selecting what I choose to spend my time with, whether it's books or podcasts or movies or TV shows, because I never really got representation when I was younger. I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of pushed away from like being Asian at first, because like my first true love in life was Harry Potter, the like, whitest most british thing um and isn't coldplay the most british thing i don't know <laughs> oh that's fair but like i grew up like obsessed with england and um that kind of broadened as i grew up into a general european thing and then around like the middle of college i was like okay so there's more to the world though um and i started trying to dive into more of that Because, again, most of the media, I guess, that I had consumed prior in my life was all written by Caucasian authors, had Caucasian protagonists and characters. And a lot of the movies I had seen prior to that had, like, one Asian character who was the quirky friend or the math genius. So, um, actually, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an actress and I like did voice lessons and acting lessons and dance lessons and all of this stuff. And I actually entered college as a theater major, but there was this whole thing going on in me because one of the things that happened during like talking about theater with some of my like other drama friends were like, oh, there are like three roles, like three leading roles on Broadway that you could potentially get ever. One's like Elphaba, who is a person who is painted green the whole show. There is like Flower Drum Song, Miss Saigon. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. Um, I see that I have chosen a poor career choice if I want to be. <laughs> yeah, and it's like... <laughs> yeah, if I'm not white, then I really don't have a lot going on. Or maybe like not white or black. Yeah, and there were there wasn't like Crazy Rich Asians or Fresh Off the Boat or... Hamilton. Exactly. There was none of that. Everything was just kind of like in my head, just kind of like against me being an actress. And I was well, like, I mean, okay. there was like the Lion King and Shrek the musical, right? So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the things I can think of like, you're generally in costume the whole time. So it should be fun. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> After Cats. Q, just puppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> cat outfit. But I was just like, realistically, like my opportunities are super small and being like being able to like make it as a performer is such a crapshoot anyway I'm like I feel like me wanting to do this is just the dumbest thing so I ended up being a writer um which is great because in college I developed anxiety and I can't go on stage anymore so (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a fun thing as a theater major (laughs) it's a good tool to use anxiety yeah (laughs) I let it fuel me to stay inside and read books. (laughs) Is it weird for you? Okay, so you're the second person who, um, the first one being Dan Matthews, who's expressed uh, 
feeling Asian before feeling Korean. And for me, it was the opposite. Like I felt like deeply Korean, but then not really understanding what it meant to be Asian American. Um, so, and then I saw, I saw in your notes uh, that you have a cat named Sakamoto, uh, which is, I'm going to say definitely Japanese. Like I know what I'm talking about. But like, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely me, Japanese. It's definitely Japanese. So um, is it weird now thinking about, you know, in light of all that your life has brought you to, to this point, thinking about being Korean and like kind of untangling, especially again, like in my own, like similar journey to yours coming from a very kind of generic, generally Chinese and Japanese dominated sense of Asian American thinking about then like, so what is Korean and what does it mean to be Korean American for me? So I feel like when I came to the whole like accepting of the fact that I was Asian, it was kind of more of a name I like told myself that was more like defined as other as opposed to like actually tied to Korea, Japan, China. And it was kind of just, uh, okay, I'm generally Asian. I didn't feel Asian American, really. I still felt like mostly I was white, but I was like Asian to look at. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I accepted that I accepted fairly young that I was not white and that um, I would always be kind of othered because of that in my town, at least. I remember actually the first time that it really hit me that I was like different from everyone around me. And it was in first grade. We were doing that thing where everyone's like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up. I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. And I was like, I want to be president. And my teacher was like, um you can't. And I was like, what? And she's like, you weren't born here. <laughs> and I was like, that's the worst way to crush a child's dreams. Now I'm like that. Um, then I was just sad. Because <laughs> your dreams were crushed. Now that, yeah, now that you've moved like, on, you're like, uh, that was a poor decision. I mean, okay, it's I the reality of life. I think I should be able life, to run for president. Like, yeah. Agreed. Like, if, if not to be like super political, but if certain people who are in the race right now can run for president and be president, then <laughs> I should be able to be president. I would never do it, but I should be able to. I like how you navigated <laughs> that answer. I don't think I could have done that. Very well navigated. <laughs> <laughs> but so I accepted that I was different. I accepted that I was like vaguely Asian as an idea in my head. And I kind of like glomped onto that with as like an excuse to kind of be weird, let's say. <laughs> Um, okay. Not that that. I need an excuse because I am just kind of weird. Uh, you mean like as a coping mechanism to be like, well, being Asian doesn't feel as natural to me as being whatever else. And so I can feel like if somebody is like, oh, that's weird. Then you can like kind of deflect it onto being Asian because you don't hold that identity as closely to yourself. Right. Yeah. Kind of like that. Um, and then I accepted being Korean after being generally Asian in the fact that I wasn't Chinese or Japanese when people would be like, Oh, you look Japanese or, Oh, you look Chinese. I'm like, well, I'm Korean. So don't be racist. Um, (laughs) So that was like the second step to me accepting being Korean. And then it kind of came in waves of like Korean skincare in college, Korean food, (laughs) K-pop. And then this whole like journey that Patrick's been on Uh, has kind of like drew me more into the identity of being a Korean adoptee specifically. I didn't really recognize that as an identity before because it was always kind of like, well, I'm not quite all American. I'm not 
quite Asian American because that's like I feel like a specific set of like life experiences that I have no part of. Yeah, I think we've all agreed to that too. Yeah, it's it was kind of a whole thing coming full circle to Patrick finally accepting that he is Asian Korean etc which i feel like i tried to push him into a few times but like <laughs> no i think you i definitely think you did i think i said that before too that you know you i think were always a little more connected than i ever was you know what i mean yeah. like still i don't know but you're also a lot more well traveled than i am too i feel like i became more connected to korean identity specifically in wanting to know more about korea in college and part of that started with my sorority big sister got a job teaching English in Korea and I like jokingly said something like well you have the blessings of my people and then <laughs> I felt bad about it because I'm like I'm not really Korean though like er. um and then we would talk while she was in Korea and she would like she was like learning Korean she was living in Korea and I'm like I had this whole breakthrough that I'm like okay so there's this girl she's really white looking um she's in korea she knows way more about korea than i do and i feel sad about that not because i was like particularly jealous or whatnot it was just like did you ever have this experience where um random asian people just kind of like walk up to you and they're like oh are you korean do you know korean because korean is in your blood Has anyone had that experience? Because it's happened to me like multiple times. I've never had an Asian person walk up to me and do that or another Korean person. I've had other white people walk up to me and do that to me, though, in both, I think, sincere and unsincere ways. I think in both of those ways. I've had like a weird amount, like possibly because of the travels, because I feel like none of this has happened like in Rensselaer, Indiana or whatever. But where I've run into um, Asian people or like specifically Korean people and they can tell that I'm Korean and that they tell me that I need to connect with my Koreanness. Like this has happened a lot. And I feel like that's weird. Specifically one time when I was in Ireland, I was on like a paddy wagon tour where you just like get on a bus and they drive you around Ireland. And there was this guy on the bus who was Korean, could not understand the tour guide because of his Irish accent. And he decided that he could only understand English if I said it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds very Korean. <laughs> yeah. He like befriended me. He bought me lunch. He took a whole bunch of pictures at like the sites with me. And I don't have any pictures of him. And I'm really upset about that now. But he just like adopted me for those like two days. And he was like, you, you and I. We're going to sit here. Neither of us speak each other's languages, but I'm going to show you these souvenirs that I bought for my children. (laughs) And we're going to take pictures together in front of waterfalls. And you need to learn Korean because it's in your blood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get get that. I feel like in my experience, uh, Korean immigrants or native Koreans, however I've experienced them, uh, have been like, especially older Koreans, I feel like, And even in some of the headlines that I read and the stories that I hear of the national, like Korean nationals and their sensibility towards Korean adoptees, there's always some sense of grief around it. And so I think that they all are like, oh, making up for lost time kind of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that coupled with the um, kind of the, not familial, but like uh, that sense of like communal sense of like, we're just we're together now like right and say like uh 
oppa dong sang or like uncle auntie whatever the just sense of like there's like a deep in it's built into the language like of a deep sense of family so like to be an adoptee and then to meet like an, especially an older native korean they're like i need to show you like my whole culture in however much time as we have and so like <laughs> My dad would, I think just for free donuts when I was adopted, he would take me around to all of the Korean-owned donut shops and, like, show me off. And then, like, he he just kind of networks that way. So, like, he loves babies. I was his baby. He loves donuts. And, like, he's like, you're Korean. My son is Korean. Anyways, can I get some donuts? And so, you guys should get to know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, like, now when I go back to Dallas, there is a donut shop who is owned by – operated by mrs kang and so i'll go and and see her and like she'll be like oh i remember you as a baby let's talk and whatever and like yeah she still has that same sense of like how's your korean coming like are you doing enough you know whatever so here's uh, a donut. yeah so i i get that like there's like this sense of like you need to be more korean also it's on me to show you and we only have five minutes but i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> stock you full of however much korean i can get you now i so. wish i had a korean donut shop where i was raised dang i oh, know we didn't have any of those <laughs> No. Oh, I have I have a Korean bakery like 10 minutes away. So at least there's that. It's really good. You're about the I, food I would... though, right? Yes. You've been doing a lot with the food. Yeah. So, um I went to Korea in 2016. This was part of that whole like finding myself thing. Um I did absolutely no like prep. <laughs> My I was with a friend. She was the one who was living in China. We when I went to China to visit her, we took a week and went to Seoul and Busan. And I did no prep because she was planning everything like transportation, lodging, all of that. So I just kind of like wandered into this vacation like da 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 da. And we did like all the touristy stuff in Seoul and had fun, ate Korean food. Like that was my first time in Korea having Korean food. So that was great. Also, I realized that I like spicy food while in Korea. I had never liked anything with any sort of spice before that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could get behind this. It's because it's um, in your blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my blood. <laughs> and then I haven't really told this story because it, it makes me see – I feel like it makes me seem like really like head in the clouds. But we spent the first several days in Seoul. And then we went to Busan, which is where I was born. And we got there and like had all of our luggage and like got on a train or like a metro type of thing to go to our hostel, which was like way out in the middle of nowhere because cheap, because college grad. <laughs> and like a few stops onto the train, this guy walks into our car and he just kind of looks at me and just kind of like stares at me, kind of looks confused kind of maybe looks like he recognized me and my brain just ran with that like i was like oh oh my gosh why is this guy staring at me why does he look like he recognizes me do i look like someone he knew maybe like 20 years ago and like my yeah my imagine just went, my imagination just went crazy with that and i was like i was like okay rebecca you've been in busan for like 20 minutes calm down <laughs> yeah but this guy he just kept staring at me and just kind of like was looking at me and he was like wearing tweed and was carrying a book and like it was just this whole thing and he was wearing glasses too um right up your alley exactly and it's so like, like he was he like could have been my uncle or something exactly or, yeah. and i was just like why do you recognize me sir um <laughs> 
And I just like, again, it was like my very first time in Busan. I had been there like 20 minutes and I was just like, okay, maybe I should like look more into this Korean thing. Um, Cause if my brain is going to like go crazy on that, like little interaction and he's probably just like nearside and couldn't see that well. And it was just like looking at like maybe the map behind me or something. <laughs> yeah. He was like, why won't she move? Yeah. I can't see where my so, stop is. So um, after that whole experience, I kind of got more into general Korean stuff, like trying to learn like the surface level stuff. I've tried to learn Korean like four different times and I'm really bad at picking up languages. So I haven't really gone anywhere with it. I like sit down, like try for like two weeks, like still can't remember the whole alphabet or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen someday it's yeah it has to right yep um someday it's just gonna click but it has not been yet i mean or it's just you take two weeks every year and then after five years you're like well i'm much better than when i started that's generally how <laughs> yeah. i am as i'm like I, it lasts a little longer like for me it's like maybe maybe two months usually around january february times Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but so I'm like, uh, I don't know, but then like looking back, like I've really been studying intentionally for the past five years for those first two months of each year. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm much better at Korean now than I used to be. So is your voice different when you speak Korean versus when you speak English? Uh, <laughs> yes, kind of not my actual timbre of my voice, but, uh, <laughs> my wife says that my mouth looks different. Um, <laughs> like I, the way that I shape my mouth is very different because I think I, so I have the the visual of speaking to a lot of Koreans and practicing and just being like, Oh, you sound so American. And be like, okay, well I am American. So I'm like trying to get better. Like I want to sound like a proper Korean speaker, but then I think there's the perception of how Koreans talk. And so I have to like model and especially after I, so I was a vocal major in college. So after I started studying voice and like, what goes into pronouncing whatever and um, all that. So I, I think that my pronunciation has got better, but yeah. So like my, my whole mouth shape changes and we were talking to uh, Minju on a previous episode yep. who runs fluent mm-hmm. Korean. And she's like, my whole personality is different because of like kind of the constraints of the language. Um, mm-hmm. And so even I was chatting with her later over Instagram and I would throw in Korean just to like practice that and whatever. But also there were times when I could interject the same thing in English, but it didn't feel quite right. So I think that there is kind of a, a mental shift going from English to Korean and then back. And like, I want to be really American and loud and whatever, but then I'm like, Oh no, I'm really like, I very much understand you. Thank you. You know, whatever about the <laughs> Korean language. So yeah, all that to say, yeah, I think that's a little different. And uh, this is just a fun aside um, because I'm hoping that we have him on the show soon. Um, Jay Park, who's one of the co-hosts of MB Asians, I hopped on a Zoom call with him and I knew he was Korean. So I just jumped in and I said, Annyeonghaseyo. And he was like, oh, <laughs> like, like it caught him off guard. And then he was like, wait are you Korean? But like in Korea, I was like, no, 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 bro. I just, uh, I just know how to say, I know how native Korean. He's like, the way you said hello, I thought that you were native Korean. And I was like, yes. Nice. Like, like a real point. The of pride ultimate accomplishment. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's the one word. And then immediately after that, it breaks into, oh, I'm very much American. <laughs> the Turing test passed in one second and then yeah. falls apart from that. And then immediately failed. <laughs> I noticed when I like practice speaking Korean, my voice is higher. 
Um, and also the episode you mentioned with Minju. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was listening to that and I was like, oh man, I'd make a terrible Korean. Cause like she talked a lot about like filial piety and like that sort of thing and Confucianism. And I'm like, oh no, no, I do not respect my elders. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm just, I'm just sassy and disrespectful. That is what I am. I'd make a terrible Korean. <laughs> you get that from our mom though. So not that yeah. she's so disrespectful. Love you, mom. My mom listened to the episode and texted me, where's my pair of underwear? So <laughs> I don't think we've ever got our parents' underwear as a gift. I don't think so either. Christmas is around the corner. That's true. I'm throwing them all the undergarments. Here you go. Yikes. It's like that scene from Elf. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, Rebecca, it has been wonderful chatting with you. Um, and getting to know you and your story, uh, what it, what, besides the books, which I think that you should definitely plug again, what are some other things you can promote? Where can people find you on the internet, et cetera? Well, main thing to promote is Patrick and mine's nonprofit. All times, all are, times local. are local. Yeah. yeah. It can be found on Instagram and Facebook at all times are local and on Twitter at all times, the letter R local. <laughs> And most of my socials are on private because I am private, a recluse. <laughs> but I'm on Twitter at Becca, please. Underscore. Underscore, underscore Becca, please. No, at the end. Oh, it's at the end. Becca, please. Underscore. I was trying to help you out. Dang. I was trying to help you out. Wow. Keep them off your keep them off your Twitter. She doesn't need your help, Patrick. I only have like a hundred followers. I do not care if anyone else finds it. <laughs> but I mean, if you've got book recommendations, like I'm probably going to tweet at you and be like, Hey, I need some non-white male authors to read. Yeah. Hit me up. So that'd be great. Cool. Um, Before you go, you gotta, you gotta give us one good story about Patrick. <laughs> oh gosh. I should have written these down. Well, I don't, what, I don't even know what good story you would tell. Um, I do know that him saying that he had never tried kimchi on the first episode was a definite lie. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> when did I try kimchi before? When we met up in California and I took you to a Korean restaurant for the first time and I made you try everything. Ah. I kind of don't remember that. I kind of actually do remember going to the Korean restaurant now that you said that, but I don't remember trying kimchi. Also, my um, <laughs> wedding rehearsal take. dinner was at a Korean restaurant. But I didn't have any kimchi there. Oh, well, that was your fault. I know that for sure. It took um, one whiff of that and he's like, nope, not for me. I don't know if that's true. I don't like, uh, no, I'm good. I just got fired. You just got me fired from the show. <laughs> Filial piety right there. <laughs> Filial piety. Amazing. <laughs> Dang cool. it. Was that good um, enough, Nathan? Was that good enough I, for you? I'll take that's, that. a, that's great. <laughs> that is perfect. Yep. Um, well, speaking of foods that Patrick hasn't tried, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be trying two mystery items from Jerry's Mystery Box. Uh, so we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome to the eat and drink portion of the John Chi Show. Um, we're trying some mystery items today from our producer, Jerry Wan. He very graciously sent us a box of mystery items, and we are going to dig in today with our guest, my sister, Rebecca Armstrong. Woo! Hello. Yes. <laughs> Rebecca, you get the honor. Do we start with three or five? 
I still have mine completely in the box. Oh. So <laughs> nice. Okay. We well, food or drink? Box. What, what do you think yeah. we should start with? Food or drink? Uh, uh food. 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 Alright. I have yeah. no idea how to open this box. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's start with five. Starting with five? Yep. Ooh, it's okay. a lote. Mm. I can see Lote. Can see that much. And I can see cookie. Margaret. Margaret. Oh, this cookie. looks so This looks so Little. dainty. It's like oh, my I know, it's like a tea cracker. I feel like I need tea. Lotte or... Margaret cookie. With parents' love. Feel this love with a soft cookie. Oh, Feel soft this cookie. Love. I probably shouldn't Feel have soft. shaken this box so much. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. They're they're pretty uh pretty crumbly. Oh no. All right. <laughs> Can we just talk about that slogan line? Feel this love. I like it's it. Soft I don't know if I like that. It's oh. a little lote. creepy. Isn't that a lote thing? Don't they have that on a lot of stuff? I feel like no love. The, the specifically like the parents' love thing. Maybe. Isn't that know, like I... that's really close to a Blackpink song? Like right, kill this love. Kill this love. Yes. So Black maybe cool. uh, maybe that's like a play on like you know how lote says like things like this. Anyways, I'm gonna open it at the open. Package. It looks like a cracker almost. Like oh, yours lines. is in Yours is shape. intact. Yeah, mine good fell job. apart in the package. Every time I try to pick it up, another piece falls off. Yeah, it's falling can... apart. It's I can just... tell you this what it looks the... like on the inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has it's a lot of apart. nuts or something, yeah. so I, hopefully oh, cool. you're not allergic to nuts there, Rebecca. But... I oh, there's am a filling. Not. Okay, there is a filling. Like an apple or something? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Mm. Crumbly. Oh, this is tasty, though. Mm. Yeah, I like this. What kind this of is like is vanilla that? wafer. Yeah. Was is there something in there? Yeah. I could say there's a nut of some sort. I cannot open this and eat. That's this something well. I found with these Korean snacks. Is like the ice cream. There's like the mochi in there, but there's always something else in the snack, like a crunchy Maybe it's or a chewy oyster piece. shell or Dude. oyster shell <laughs> or ten percent barley. Yeah. <laughs> So, because mine fell apart uh, before the other one in the package fell apart, you can see on the inside, it's got a bunch of little nuts in it and stuff like that. So, can't tell what kind of nut it is. I'm going to assume... Maybe it's chestnut. Or chestnut. Yeah. Because <laughs> this tastes like the... Bumbar. It tastes different than those, for sure. I'm also really hungry, but this is really good. It's made of balote. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Anyways, um, this is really good. Yeah, it is really crumbly. Very. I'm that is good. I wish I had a box of these. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> no, I was say that's kind of the last one. Week. That's like the blessing <laughs> and the curse. It's the blessing of the curse of the mystery boxes. We don't get like the uh, the whole thing. So if it's bad, then you're like, oh, good. I don't have to, like, get rid of a bunch of these. But if it's good, you're like, wait, but I wanted more. Ah, uh, yeah. We still, we, I think Jerry's just giving us the good numbers. He's, he's saving all the ones that might be uh, <laughs> bad for later. He's going to, like, fool us. He's like, give you all the really good stuff first, and then all of a sudden we're going to be eating all these things going, what is this? It's like <laughs> on Christmas Day. You're like, shell. let's record a podcast, and it's the worst yeah. thing you've ever tasted. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's going to. He's gonna trick us, or it's gonna maybe be a peanut he's butter. Squid maybe he's gonna thing. be a nice guy and only give us good tasty. Things. A peanut butter what? A peanut butter squid thing. <laughs> oh, it's gross. like a flavor combination in like Korean snacks. Peanut butter squid. 
What? Jerry, what's up? What's this peanut butter squid? Holy no shirt I have seen a lot of like seafood related snacks at the Korean store. So I do know that there is potential for um I mean, squid or I like their like shrimp that, crackers. But... I don't know about peanut butter squid flavor though. Who yeah, I'm not, I don't think I like squid. Okay. <laughs> how many how many margarets do you give these cookies? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three and a half margarets out of out of the full Margaret. Really? <laughs> okay. Wow. Why only three and a half? What would, what's what's keeping it from going higher? <sighs> kind of the texture, the fact that it just like falls apart. I did shake it a lot. <laughs> so that's. I was gonna say like, that fault. might be user error. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone else said that they were really crumbly too. So yeah, I didn't shake mine. Um, was kind of crumbly. Also, like desserts and sweets are like my thing, like my favorite oh, thing. I bake yeah. a ton, so it's just. And nice. you have your own baking Instagram, so I that's do. something you didn't plug. I forgot about that. Honestly, d- it's been a while. You bake for real. That's the thing. You don't just bake. Nice. You bake for so real. So you say, say things like, this sponge in this is so spongy. <laughs> yes. That's how much bake talk I, I know. Do you say that? No. I'm not very technical. <laughs> it's like, if things taste good, they taste good. I'm I not agree. very good at presentation. But I, think, I'm, I, think I am big on good. texture, and these like the texture didn't quite do it for me. Mm. <laughs> All right, that's go. not a that's not a bad description. You could put that in a podcast episode, and the company would probably still sponsor you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I feel I feel four and a half. Oh well, yeah, percent. That's, that's pretty high for you. Four and, there, and a half margarets for- of this. Margaret Love, yeah. For someone not liking sweets yourself, that's pretty high. I think that's what it is. Like, <laughs> I really have a Korean sensibility when it comes to sweets. Uh, like, I don't want something, like, hyper sweet or, you know, whatever. And so this is, like, really, really nice. Uh, I really like the chestnut flavor. I thought it was weird in the babam bar, but in this, yeah. I think it's really good. Um, it's a good balance. And it's, it's the kind yeah. of, like, it's the kind of uh, buttery cookie that doesn't leave my mouth super dry you know like I don't, I don't feel like i need to drink anything with it like it's properly i don't it's just i think it's good it is a little crumbly but um, i'm gonna say that that's on packaging and maybe it's like an older cookie um like it was born maybe it was born like a year <laughs> ago um so yeah so i'm uh, yeah i'm gonna say four and a half maggies four and a half for me too i'm i'm liking it yeah i'm also again. gonna give it a four and a half only and i would have gave it a five if it was larger in size, because if it was a snack pack size, and I want the two in the one package to be one cookie, that's why you got the second package though. True. Jerry that's knows true. what he's about. Orion did a good job of putting all those crackers in there. There, there's like at least what ten. Oh, and the in the Kosumi. Oh, Kosumi crackers. There's like I really need to go in there. To that that Kosumi crackers. That was great too. All right, all right let's, let's dig into item number three. Right. Item so number what you don't Uh-oh. need to wash it down. I, I am thirsty. You don't need to, but I'm. We about to. I hope oh, mine's mine yellow. Isn't this is almost what makes me think of an ice cream bar. Oh, I, oh, I think I know no. what this is. Banana juice. It's yeah, it's banana milk. Have you had it? Are you banana intolerant? I am highly <laughs> lactose intolerant. Highly. Whoa. Well then, you might want to. Uh, yeah. Does it have lactose in it? It's the f- number one ingredient. Uh, Jared just yeah. said, "Oops." <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to like mention that on like the whole thing. Well, you know, you you can just pretend to drink this one. Yeah. Nah. 
I, I, okay. I feel like a few sips aren't going to hurt. Go find go find some lactate real quick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have I, had this before when I was so, not lactose intolerant. Yeah, I've heard Boom. of this. It's called uh, yeah, Bing, Bing Ray, right? Is that how you guys pronounce that? Bing Ray? I've seen it before. Banana Masuyu. The ones I've seen, though, look like that, though. They look little things. Yeah. They're not in a, a carton like this. So, Yeah, also, I was about to say... Uh, the brand is Bingure, which I know that it's not it's not written in the English, but in the mm-hmm. the Korean, it's Bingure. Mm. Korea's, Korea's favorite. favorite. <laughs> also, uyu is milk in Korean, uh, and that's Uyu? like easily one of my favorite Korean words because it feels so Uyu-yu. silly. Uyu, <laughs> yeah, uyu, 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 uyu. intolerant. Okay. What? That was actually one of the reasons why I started liking Korean food is because I became lactose intolerant like overnight, and then I was like, "Well, and I there's guess not I can't a lot eat. of lactose in Korean food besides this." Yeah. yeah, so I started eating like only Asian food. Yeah, I will say I have had a well. I think they use like milks and things to make it like sweet and creamy. So if, like for desserts, that seems fine. Um, Man, since starting the show, I have like desperately wanted more and more mm-hmm. just like Asian foods in my life. So I've, that I've is wanted so more banana. drinks. It's banana. That is very banana. It's banana milk. It's banana flavored with a milk texture. The cookie too. Mm. Yeah. I surprisingly mm-hmm. don't dislike this. Mm-hmm. I think it's a strong banana flavor, but the banana also like lingers for a bit, like not badly, like on the inhale. Mm-hmm. This might be. The I feel first like I'm drink drinking item. a laffy taffy. Yes, laffy that's what taffy. it is. That's the flavor. Yeah. So like, yes. like it's got hmm. that same kind of like sits in your mouth. Yes. Which really grosses me out with the Laffy Taffy. <laughs> uh, but because I'm drinking it, I feel more okay with yeah, it. It definitely has that aftertaste. Yep. I feel like this is the first drink that I couldn't chug all the way down. What? Chug I it. Don't, I don't know if I can. Do it. Do it. You can do it. I, especially out of this tiny straw. Dude, right, if you get a chug go. out of a, a juice box, then you did not do elementary school correctly. <laughs> Patrick's face is just like (laughs) (laughs) good. He's our chugger. That really is like Laffy Taffy. I was trying to put it on like what it was. I could not think of how how to describe it. Yeah, that's exactly. That's interesting. And it's not. I've had banana juice before on some uh, Polynesian islands and stuff. And it those are that's thicker, definitely thicker. Mm -hmm. This is more like just a banana flavored milk. Even though it does banana is the fourth ingredient. Banana juice concentrate. I feel like childhood me before i was lactose intolerant would have like really loved this all right so on the ingredients the very first ingredient listed is milk and at the very end of the ingredients list it says in bold contains Contains milk milk. (laughs) like please don't drink this if you are lactose intolerant i drink a very very little bit of it i felt like i had to it was for the experience (laughs) thank you and we're sorry thanks for diving in there's any repercussions (laughs) You got the cookies, so you can blame yeah. Terry. I'll make Seth drink the rest of it. Mm. He'll probably like, it. like that. All right, I'm gonna give Bingade's Banana Masuyu four and a half out of five. This is a strong showing for mm. food and drink. This is delicious to me because of the banana laffy taffy uh, nostalgia, or because you just like that drink. No, I just like it because I don't really like the banana laffy taffy mm. at all. Uh, but this is good. And maybe it's because I had the cookie first. 
then I'm like, oh yeah, this mm. I didn't need anything Bit to wash it down, but I really <laughs> like having this, and it's just like hits the spot. I'm gonna have to say four, four out of five bananas. I like it, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I also <laughs> feel like I should have. I feel like I should have like refrigerated it a little bit more. But I do like it, the banana flavor. So I'm giving it four out of five. I, th- I still think I like the uh, milk, milkus <laughs> better. Milkus. Milkisu. Yeah. Milkisu. I don't know why. I, I, I've been looking for it actually at the stores. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because okay. I want to try all those other flavors now. Also, you... yogurt. Just, just so you know, Rebecca, you don't have to go look for that. <laughs> also, yeah, you probably shouldn't drink something called milkus. <laughs> I've had it before. <laughs> what did you think of it? Even though it's not a Milkus review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was it was mostly like I don't like opaque beverages, like just as a thing. Dude, Armstrong's coming it. in with that murky water. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys are like gone. Literally that same Patrick's wavelength. first thought was it's murky in there. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> opaque beverage. That's a good way to describe Dude. it. That's the if you, yeah. if you way open to this, I guarantee it's gonna be the same thing. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't drink milk, yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, I'd say four out of five bananas oh. um, mm. if I could drink more of it. <laughs> <laughs> Generally approved by lactose intolerant people. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm not going to like risk my health to drink the whole thing, which would Nor be like five, you. I feel like. <laughs> but like the <laughs> small taste I had was really good, and I feel like uh, me before lactose intolerance would have loved it. I'm actually going to give this a five bananas out of five. Oh, and here's damn. why. And here's why. I think I was very caught off guard by how it tasted. I thought it tasted really good. I like the Laffy Taffy flavor because I don't generally like milk. I also Mm. like the fact of the ingredients that we pointed out earlier, that they strongly show you that it has milk in it. I think that's very... That's good for your brand that you're so straightforward and you know, what's I th- going I think on. That's in a your legal product. thing. Yeah, I was gonna say I think most <laughs> packages have but they, bowls but that they the highlight end. it. But they highlight it again. I think. I think that's props <laughs> to you. Props to you, uh, Bingre, uh, for doing that. And thirdly, going back to the milkesu, the reason I didn't like it because I could see what it was and it, that knocked the rating. I like this packaging because I can't see what I'm drinking. So now. I'm consuming milk, a product, <laughs> I, a, something I generally don't consume, and a packaging that works for me. It's like they made this for someone like me to drink. <laughs> so five out of five would recommend. High recommendation. Uh, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show, for hanging out with us. Um, it was really great to, to talk to you and to get to know you. Um, where can people find you on the internet? I know we already did this, but actually we did it again for YouTube and it just makes my whole thing easier. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Becca, please underscore and find me on Instagram at pretty kitty cakes. I post there sometimes it's baking. <laughs> <laughs> so if you need more food content in your Instagram feed, pretty kitty cakes, <laughs> uh, you can find the show at John Chi show on all social platforms, or you can send us an email to John Chi show at just like media dot com please drop a rating and review on itunes we just got our third rating and i posted about it and my wife was like that may have been me but i don't remember if it was or not so <laughs> if it was, was my wife or if it was someone was. else thanks for leaving it that review thanks for really that. appreciate subscribe it subscribe to the youtube as well we need to get yes. up there and, and subscriptions uh, as always i am at kj Ralkey on all social platforms and i am at home <laughs>
And I am Banana Nate. <laughs> Neither no, of those I are your rear I don't know where we're going with on that one. That was amazing. So, yep, you can find me. You can find me at the handles I've listed in our previous episodes. So go check oh, us out. Oh, oh. Making you work for it. Tricky. <laughs> find me at No Walk Photo. You can find me in the club. Bottle you can find, find me in the orchard picking bananas. I will say, as we dip off of here, thank you to my sister for coming on the show. I know we just thanked you, but I will thank you again, brother Aww. to sister. I love you, and thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate it. Love you, too. Thanks for having Filial me. Filial piety. Filial nice. piety. <laughs> I don't know if it is the same for siblings, but way to get that in there. Thanks for watching. We will see you. Wait. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you <laughs> next week. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.